Welcome, everybody, to Pipe Bomb Radio NYC. I want to rock! You are tuned in to Motley Metal, Pulse for Hard Rock and Metal. Motley Maniacs, I am your host with the most from coast to coast, from across the pond to far and beyond, from the North Pole to the South Pole, and god damn, that's a mouthful. Preferred by 9 out of 10 single moms, Chris Rex, and you are tuned into Motley Metal on Pipe Bomb Radio NYC. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Praetorian, guitarist and vocalist for Eternal Hellcracks. Eternal Hellcracks is a black metal band from Cavan in the Republic of Ireland, and their third studio album titled Drown in Ash was released by Nottermock Productions on September 30th. They are currently available on Apple Music, Spotify, and YouTube. Not only will I be speaking with Praetorian, I will also be streaming the Drown in Ash album in its entirety today. The album aims to describe the dark and emotive battle with depression, feelings of desolate bleakness, and loss. Of course, if you love what you hear on this episode, then smash that heart button and share it with your mother, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your uncle, because if they love hard rock, if they love metal, then Motley Metal is for them. Without further ado, allow me to introduce you to our guest, all the way from Cavan in the Republic of Ireland, Hellcracks guitarist and vocalist, Praetorian. Welcome to Motley Metal, Praetorian, and thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today. Oh, thanks so much for having us. Um, it's absolutely great to, great to be talking to people from across the, the ocean as well, you know. It's great to be able to find and discover bands in other countries, because especially a band that, that's not as well known, and to be able to give them a, a platform. Um, I've done it with a few other bands, um, Everlit, which they wound up becoming pretty popular after we had aired them, um, The Suicide Notes from the UK, uh, Pressure, Robots and Gods. And, you know, to see that these bands grow and kind of grow with them. I mean, that's what it's all about. We're music. We all love music. And I just think the bringing it all together is just, it's perfect, man. It's the one thing I've always loved about the metal scene. It's just that, like, we're all such massive fans of metal. You know, that sort of a way. It's like, you know, we're all just like, um, yeah, we you just can't get enough music in this genre, you know. Like, and and it's the it's the constant hunt. And once you find really cool stuff, you just show it to everybody you know. And like, you know, it's just it's amazing how it, much it spreads. You know, it's crazy. It is. You know, that's kind of the reason, like, why I started Motley Metal. I started discovering even like I grew up on Metallica, Guns N' Roses. You know, the the main popular bands. Uh, Motley Crue. Motley yeah. Crue is my favorite band. And I started Motley Metal just out of love for music and wanting to share the music I like with other people. And here we are about two, three years later. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're going strong. Oh, it's amazing to hear, you know. It's a, I've actually checked out your your page a good few times on, um, on um, I think it was Facebook actually originally found you. And then I kind of added you on Instagram as well, like, you know, because there was always really kind of, again, like, it's just amazing to find out about bands, you know. Um, from all sorts of walks of life, you know. Now, Drown in Ash is the band's third studio album. And I've had the opportunity to listen to it. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, it kicks ass, bro. And I haven't, (laughs) (laughs) I haven't been the biggest fan of black metal, but obviously I was going to do my homework on you guys. 
before, you know, having you guys come on here and the subject matter of your album is something I can really relate to uh, because of my own battles with anxiety, depression, and, you know, the loss of my father, loss of my mother at a young age. And because of yeah. that, it has made me uh, more understanding and appreciative of the genre. Yeah, well, I, like most um, most uh, black metal in general, it's more to do with a particular atmosphere about whatever, you know, it could be anything. But I find like the, the most important thing with black metal is usually the atmosphere. And I feel if you can kind of capture an atmosphere to go along with the lyrics and to go along, it can really kind of make something jump out at you a hell of a lot more, you know. And that's kind of what we were really aiming for with this album, you know, um, was uh but even the lyrics themselves were kind of more wrote as poetry. They weren't really wrote as lyrics as such, you know. But um, as the album was kind of progressing and stuff, it was kind of like we ended up just using lyrics that I never really intended to use. Because in fairness, I think everyone is the same with any sort of level of depression and anxiety or anything. You kind of tend to hide it and not really be, you know, you don't really be outright as you should be with these things because there's so much people that are going through the same thing as you that, um, that when we decided to go with it and run with it, you know, um, really, really got fully behind it then, you know, and, and the amount of messages we've got that have been very similar to what you're saying has been really insane, you know, um, people going through the same thing and fighting with the same thing. And, you know, it's that kind of hidden battle that we, it's not on the surface, you know, but we're kind of all dealing with it in our own way, you know. Especially after the uh, the pandemic, that I've noticed there was definitely a rise in depression and anxiety because now at that point we were all stuck in our homes and you, you kind of find your own ways to kind of cope with that. And music has always been that. Music has always been able to, to heal me and to be able to listen to this album and like you said the lyrics were more poetry and that's something i i did notice on the album now can you describe the process of creating the drown and ash album like take us through a brief timeline yeah at the time actually it was kind of like uh we because we always kind of had a certain kind of you know that kind of battley style kind of lyrics and stuff but um I found myself when I was sitting down to write those lyrics, I wasn't really getting as much out of them as I used to, you know, and it was kind of like, because I was writing a lot more poetry at the time and stuff like that. And I found that, um, I found that, yeah, it was actually a friend of mine that I, I was saying it to like that. Uh, um, She was reading all these kind of poems that I was writing. She goes, oh man, you really, these would suit black metal so well. And I was kind of, I really sat on it for about three or four months kind of saying, will I or won't I? And then, once again, it was kind of that thing, well, what, why can't I, you know? And then we ended up kind of running with it. And um, I was really, really happy with that. But like a lot of the music was kind of weirdly wrote, uh, kind of let's say before and after that decision. And um, a lot of it just seemed to weirdly fit. It wasn't really, it wasn't really forced or it wasn't really, I'm planning to write music to suit. It was more just weirdly, they went hand in hand and there was very little effort put into the, restructuring of lyrics or anything like that they just kind of weirdly all set into the music so it was kind of a weird kind of there was there was way less effort put into this album than most albums but yet it was still one of the ones that i think that was the best one we've ever done and i know everybody will say that about you know <laughs> their new album but it really felt that way with this one you know for me anyway you know 
I like how you said that everything kind of just came together as the painter Bob Ross would say, a happy accident. It really wasn't intentional, but the way everything just flowed together. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. The first track of the album is Withered Strands of Existence, and it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the album, opening with an almost cinematic feel. Once the strings and percussion come in, your adrenaline is pumping and that adrenaline just sticks with you through each song. Was Withered Strands of Existence intended to be the opening track from the get-go? No, actually not really, because I felt like um, with with, with a lot of my favorite metal albums and stuff like that, they tend to start off with an explosion, you know, this absolutely like grab the listener, you know, with huge amounts of energy from the get-go. With this, with that song, I actually personally felt it was a bit too slow to start off an album. It was kind of like, it doesn't just explode at you, you know? But then, I don't know, when we, by the time we're kind of sitting over all the songs and stuff like that, um, it definitely became the first album, some or first song somehow over the, the, the process of kind of writing the songs. And it, it, the whole album kind of became like, um, how would you put it? Like it almost became like one cinematic experience or one whole song almost from start to finish it, the way it was wrote, you know? So it just kind of became that halfway through it. And then it was that, you know, that sort of a way. So yeah, it definitely was definitely kind of wrote as one complete piece of music rather than separate songs. Like I've never been a fan of fans that bring out like, you know, eight singles. I'm not really a massive fan of those type of albums. I prefer the more, you know, Dissection or Immortal or these type of, uh, Emperor would be a great example where the whole album feels like one big cinematic song supposed to separate songs, if that makes sense, you know? Oh, 100% it makes sense. And I definitely got that feel of one long song, you know, like that's how the album felt to me. It was Kind of like a like an like a grand opus. Like that's exactly how it came up. Like it, it had this very cinematic feel. Now we're gonna listen to the first three songs off the album, and when we get back, we're gonna dive into the origin story of the band. This is Eternal Hellcracks on Motley Metal.
This is Motley Metal, and I am Chris Rex, your host. We are listening to Eternal Hellcracks, and I just want to take this time out to uh, thank Lars, Lars the Viking, who sent my nephew Matthew uh, a nice little package all the way from Sweden. He sent him uh, his favorite movie, his cars. He sent him a, a red to fire engine and a little green car and uh, thank you so much for that. That that definitely made his day. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Motley Metal and, and uh, being part part of this family. Uh, you are awesome, Lars. I just wanted to take the time out on this episode to uh, thank you personally for this. Thank you so much. Up next, we have Eternal Hellcracks lead single and the third track off their album. It's Where Dead Things Roam Free. This is Motley Metal.
I'm here with Praetorian of Eternal Hellcracks, and we're talking the new album, Drown in Ash, available now on Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube. You just heard the first three tracks off the album, starting with Withered Strands of Existence, followed by Drown in Ash and Where Dead Things Roam Free, which is the lead single. Now, Eternal Hellcracks was formed in May 2006, and writing began for a black metal project. What was the influence behind the band's name? Yeah, the the whole idea behind the band's name, like we were all massive token fans, obviously, and we were massive into like Lord of the Rings, the Silmarillion and all this kind of stuff, you know. Um, the word Hellcracks was originally, it's kind of almost like the, how would you put it? Like, it's almost like the the North Pole of Middle Earth, you know, it's a land just uh, with like snow, constant storms, you know, glaciers and all this kind of stuff. And because like we were all such massive fans of like, you know, especially like maybe Immortals at, uh, at the Heart of Winter album was one of the main albums that we were listening to a lot. Like, you know, um, a lot of that real ice cold kind of style black metal, you know, um, it, the whole Eternal Hellcracks idea just really kind of we couldn't shake it once we came up with the idea of it. And we kind of stuck with it then. And yeah, it just kind of seemed to work with the music we're writing at the time, you know. You'll notice that, though, in a lot of metal music, it's very epic, you know, Viking-like, very fantasy-like, yeah. <laughs> these epic stories of warriors and, and demons and monsters and kind of like a, a big Tolkien movie, you know, like that's yeah. what, like metal, like when I listen to Dio yeah, or Man of War, yeah. like you get that epic fucking feeling of, of like, this is... This is what Vikings would have listened to, you know. This, this is yeah. <laughs> this is what the gods would have listened to. <laughs> was the intention always to be a full fledged band, or was it supposed to be a one off project? Uh, I think at the time, really, it wasn't really. We weren't really thinking of being a band band. It was more just we really, really loved metal, and we kind of wanted to put our own little stamp on it. But it kind of weirdly took off. Like we've always had kind of people really interested in our music, even and especially not so much in Ireland, which is the funny thing. It was always overseas. You know, we've always had such a huge overseas following compared to here. So every time we've kind of like. And then, then yeah, then it was one of those things that we just, any time in between like albums and stuff where we kind of, kind of think, oh, right, we have to really dedicate time to family or whatever work or whatever. It always, it always just was the thing that we talked about constantly, like, oh, for the next one, we're going to do this or for the next one, you know? So it just became this thing that we just ended up being, I think we just kind of wanted to do what all of our favorite bands done. And we wanted to release kind of, you know, a release or two and, and kind of put our little stamp on it. But then it just ended up becoming, you know, a band that we just, we kind of fell in love with. And it's a part of us almost now, you know, it's a part of, it's such a release for us, especially this album, I think was such a mental release for me anyway, you know, where you got to kind of really got a lot of stuff out of you that you've wanted to for a very long time, you know. And I think it's this whole thing of, of kind of like the whole Beatles thing of we want something we're not used to that. That's not in our country. That's what we want. Yeah. To see. We want to see something outside of our realm. And I feel that's the same way with you. And I feel the same way about you guys where it's like, holy shit, if this band was in America, maybe I wouldn't have listened to them, but because they're from another country and they have that different sound, I listen to them, you know, 
Yeah, especially, I don't know what it is about Irish music just in general. And I mean, I'm talking about even the Irish pop music, rock music, everything. It, it, it always ends up being quite sorrowful, if that makes sense. And I think a lot of people overseas seem to really kind of, you know, love that for some reason. And, and it, I think it just really taps into an emotional thing that I think, um, I think that when it's especially with different countries, they just wouldn't hear it all the time or something. I don't know what it is. It's hard to explain, you know, but, uh, but yeah, a lot of overseas people have said that to me, that there's a certain amount of emotionalness about Irish music in general, like, you know, that seems to be quite different to the rest of the world, you know? I think it's quite like Norway, like even if you listen to pop bands from Norway, they still sound, they have this thing that almost sounds slightly like Norwegian black metal, even though they're nothing alike, they still kind of weirdly always sound Norwegian, if that makes sense, you know? It's a strange one, it's hard to explain, but yeah, not all of course, but like nearly most metal people you talk to, they always say, oh, yeah, I'm half Irish or my grandmother's Irish or that, you know, it's always, there's such an Irish connection over there. It's crazy. We just went over there and infested all of America, you know? A hundred percent, man. You know, it, it, it's in our blood. You know, you, you could be from America, you can be born in America and be Irish. Our bloodline, man, it's, it's there, you know, we're, we're, we're connected yeah, it's, and, and it's the music so- is just connecting us more. In some way, somewhere along the lines, there was an Irish person that got in there and done some damage in the in the bloodline. Like, you know? <laughs> well, you know what? Our Americans have been doing it since uh, the birth of America, so it's only right it gets done to us. Right? Yeah. <laughs> After several lineup changes, the band continued as a two-piece. And in March 2008, released the Payless Kingdom MCD. Yeah. Uh, what was the reasoning behind being a two-piece? And what was the final straw that made you say, all right, fuck it, let's do it on our own, just us two? Um, it was basically just, we just couldn't find those solid members that were into the exact same thing as us, you know? Um, the, the one thing about that uh, record as well that was quite funny was uh, my brother, who's uh, Tirrit, who's our kind of longtime the drummer since. Funny enough, he was actually in the band, but he was just so insanely busy all the time around that point because he used to play in a lot of like uh, pub bands, wedding bands and everything else, you know. So he just basically ended up for that particular. Funny enough, uh, the gig we played before that release was with him. He wasn't on the actual release itself. And then he was in the band from then on after that release. So he was pretty much in the band from that point onwards. So it's kind of a weird, it's hard to explain to people, but it, it was weird the way he was kind of there, but he wasn't there for that particular recording, you know? And from that point onwards, he's just always been in the band then, you know? So even that was quite funny about that release, you know? But but I think it was just that whole like, fuck it, we're sick of trying to, you know, mold people almost to do exactly what we kind of were because we had this kind of exact idea what we wanted to do with that release. And it was hard to kind of get the But once we kind of had that, we kind of got a full band then together and we were able to actually kind of tour a bit and play around. And, you know, so it kind of worked out for the best, I think. But um. But at the time, it was very messy. It was coming and going quite a lot. And there was a lot of back and forth, you know? Yeah, I hear you on that because even as a wrestler, sometimes the promoter will say, hey, you know, I want you to team up with this guy. 
and you you really can do like you can't expect a connection to be made like you guys have to share and it's the same thing with being in a band you have to share that same passion that same that same goal that same create uh, that same creativity in order for it to mesh otherwise you you just have two three four guys that are just you need to have that common goal there were a few more lineup changes but since 2013 the band has had a stable lineup with you oceans and tirith are you comfortable with a three-man band or would you prefer a fourth? Uh, I definitely would prefer a fourth. You know, I'd love because a lot of this, as you probably know, it's like a lot of the stuff is very layered, you know, and there's a lot going on with the music, with layering. And I kind of wrote this album, especially um, with the intention of getting a, a fourth guitarist. And um, I think once the, once the album's out for a few even a month or two we're definitely going to find that other person 100% because there's been a lot of interest already people kind of saying you know yeah like would you be looking for another guitarist but I'm kind of still at the at the process of just trying to promote the crap out of it at the moment so it's kind of like um I've kind of haven't really thought about it as much but we're definitely going to be getting that other even if it's just a live guitarist I'd be perfectly happy with that because the the format that we've had for writing this album I think it just it was so perfect. Um, there's a part of me that's a bit apprehensive about getting another person involved. But then with that said, it would be the dream as well to get a fourth member, you know, that's that's full on, you know, all the time, you know. <laughs> a, f- a full-time band member. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know. Um, that'd be the weight that I would most prefer it. But I'd be perfectly happy with just a live, another a live guitarist as well, you know, to kind of pull... A lot of this stuff off live, you know. You know, I do have international listeners. If you guys are in Ireland, Hellcracks, they're uh, they're looking for a, a fourth guitarist yeah. here. So, <laughs> if you guys want, you know, I'll, I'll I'll put your email and everything in our description. And if they want to, you know, reach out to you, they can. Um, something that I, I no, that's a hundred percent. I look for that. <laughs> something that's kind of been on my mind is the names of the band members like you guys seem to have this whole concept of middle earth um very tolkien-esque like we had uh speaking about before uh where did the names of the band members come from uh yeah tirith was taken straight out of lord of the rings again you know that was kind of the name of the uh, uh, most major cities would always have tirith onto it to you know describe a city and stuff but it was just such a cool world that that's what uh, the drummer went with oceans went oceans is actually his name um, is actually pronounced um, very close to that. He's from Lithuania originally. Um, so um, his name is pronounced Oceus, but everyone in Ireland just kind of, his nickname just became Oceans. And that's where he kind of said like, oh, that'd be such a cool pseudonym, you know, to use for a band. And uh, myself, it was just like, you know, I'm also a big fan of history and I always loved the Praetorian Guard out of um, out of the Roman Empire and stuff like that. It was always the the main kind of elite soldiers that were just underneath the king. And I was always such a big fan of history that uh, I ended up just taking that name on. And as I said, because it was supposedly going to be kind of a short term thing at the beginning, I just ended up sticking with that name throughout the whole, you know, I even used it in other bands. I've always kind of used that pseudonym (laughs) across the board pretty much. Well, it it became part of you. It became your identity. You know, It, it was originally supposed to be this little, you know, side project one off and it just stuck with you and it's now your identity and i love the idea behind you know kind of having the gimmicks of you know instead of using your real names for the as as uh, in the in the band you kind of have these characters and these gimmicks that fit 
with the band name and this whole uh this whole character of of the band that you that you bring it's 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 its own little mythology yeah i think it gives you such freedom as well like i think when you're sometimes when you're using your own name and your own face and everything is online a lot you get very kind of i do anyway at least i kind of get quite self-conscious and i get quite um yeah i'm always kind of such a critic on myself and everything i'm always way too hard on myself so it kind of gives you this kind of thing to almost hide behind if that may yeah like where you're kind of not yourself when you're in the band you're kind of using a, a pseudonym that you you feel a lot more you can kind of get away with exposing yourself lyrically a lot more and um, stuff like that i think really works as well with kind of using pseudonyms and stuff and um, for me anyway um i always find it and it adds to just the fantasy element up to the whole band as well you know it kind of it makes you kind of puts you outside yourself and you know you're not just a person down the road. You kind of become a, a larger than life character, I suppose, is what I always got from a lot of the bands I really listened to, you know, and I always kind of tried to thought that that would be the best way to go for our band as well. You know, again, I'm going to relate to wrestling because in music, the music industry and the professional wrestling industry are so interlocked and there's so many similarities. I mean, at the end of the day, it's live entertainment. And I feel you where we're coming up with this sort of, extension of yourself because me my real name is chris carpenter but when i'm in the ring or when i'm on a podcast or i'm I'm doing something outside of my personal life it's chris rex and it allows me to to open open kind of open up that door that i wouldn't do in my personal life you know i'm able to say and do things and kind of in a weird way be more of myself than i am as chris carpenter I feel more comfortable being open as Chris Carpenter because I'm a I'm a private person. Like Chris Carpenter yeah. is a very private person, but Chris Rex is a hundred percent open. And I feel Chris yeah. Rex is more of me than Chris Carpenter is because I've kind of allowed people into my life as Chris Rex, you know? Yeah, exactly. There's those lines that get blurred. You know, I blur the lines of reality, but at the end of the day, it just feels Chris Rex feels more like me than Chris Carpenter. So I hundred percent feel you on coming up with the with the alter egos for the band. Yeah, you you really said it there. You know, you can <clears throat> you can just like you can just kind of be another person almost. You know, and and you're kind of almost playing a part to a degree. You know, of course not on podcasts and stuff. We're all kind of more ourselves, but you can you can just kind of create more of a character supposed to, and it, it makes you like some of the lyric, like some of the poetry that I wrote would have never been re- released under my own name. I just would be way too self-conscious about exposing myself that much, you know? And uh, when it comes to like uh, doing it through the music, it was very easy to just do it because you really are just, as I said, it was more, it was more to do with like a complete offload of, of feelings or emptying out, you know, my, my, my soul to, to have a new beginning almost, you know, cause that's the way I was feeling at the time. And, um, but it really worked with the music, you know, it, it really did, you know, and, you know, as you said, of course that you described it really well there, you know, as a pro wrestler as well, it's like, yeah, it's it, like most of the pro wrestling, you know, that I've seen it, the characters, characters they play, they're just so larger than life. You know, they're just massive people, you know, and um, it, it really works for pseudonyms with wrestling as well. You know, 
Yeah, you're you're right on the money with that. If you notice, like like I said before, in pro wrestling and uh music, especially metal and rock music, have always been intertwined, man. Like if you go yeah. back to the to the eighties with the rock and wrestling connection with MTV and, and the WWF at that time, you know, coming together, which was something that was totally unheard of. You mean the, the this thing that was had a bunch of these bulky guys wrestling in smoky bars. Yeah. Is now teamed up with with uh MTV and Cindy Lauper and yeah. <laughs> and they got freaking Liberace out there like and it became this phenomenon and we have rock to thank for that. Yeah, of course. Like the like um, pro wrestling would not be where it is without rock music. Oh, absolutely. Like even just the the whole look and everything was just so tight. Uh, like you, like there was even so much pro wrestlers that even were like even sure Hulk Hogan was a bassist in a in a rock band for a long time. And you know you had oh sure even remember um which WrestleMania was like with uh, Triple H and he came uh. Motorhead played him out, you know, he was playing WrestleMania 17 when he had Motorhead. Yeah, he was fighting The Undertaker. That's right, wasn't it? Yes, and um yes. yeah, and he 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 basically yeah, came out with like uh yeah, Motorhead playing. I thought that was just so cool. <laughs> yeah, it it was really cool to see that. It, they I mean they had Drowning Pool on there, Motorhead, uh Motley Crue even performed on a on a, a Raw. So I mean yeah. wrestling. And, and and rock music just go hand in hand. Yeah, hundred percent. You know what artists um and bands influence the style that Eternal Hellcracks brings. Um, originally it was a lot of the more epic style metal, black metal. Was um like let me see, yeah, like Emperor Immortal. I like like a lot of the Norwegian bands. There was especially Ancient Rites as well. It was a band we were listening to a lot of as well. At the time, um, there was a lot more kind of underground kind of black metal as well, like, you know, Archgoat and, um, you know, even Titanic Warmaster, a lot of bands like that. You know, there was also some death metal bands like um, Angel Corpse and um, Nile, of course, they'd be a big one. Um, yeah, a lot of bands like that, you know, um, and of course, like a lot of the Florida that metal scene we would have been listening to a huge amount as well like you know deicide and morbid angel and you know a lot of bands like that as well suffocation as well comes to mind um yeah like a lot of bands like that like at the time i was in a, a band called sinister demise as well at the same time you know and that, that was that was practically like a florida style death metal band you know it was so close to it you know in a lot of ways so we would have had a lot of those kind of bands uh american style death metal bands that we would have been really influenced by as well you know but um uh, i don't know if it carried true to eternal hell cracks but i'm sure there was snippets off it here and there you know <laughs> well how about we play the rest of that drown in ash album right here on motley metal
We are back with Eternal Hellcracks vocalist and guitarist Praetorian, and we just finished the Drown in Ash album. Great job on the album. I love the instruments, and like I said earlier, the music, it just speaks to me. I feel the album was very instrumental-based and less focused on the vocals. You really get to embrace the mood, and like I said earlier, there's that cinematic feel. Is that how you intended the album to be perceived? Yeah, I think so, actually. I think you're really kind of on the money with a lot of that, you know. It was very, like, um, I think anyone, especially with depression or any level of anxiety, would totally relate to that feeling of kind of like um, almost comfort within your depression as well as as much as you dislike it and you don't want it. There's also this weird comfort that, that... only people with depression and anxiety can really relate to, you know, that you're, you get really weirdly comforted by lying under a big heavy blanket for days on end and stuff like that when you're going through a real bad period. And there's a weird comfort and safety within your depression. And I wanted to weirdly capture that as well. And I thought by a lot of the breakdown parts, I was really trying to capture that feel. I hope I kind of did, but I'm not sure if I did or not. But, um, the same with the lyrics, like as much as the lyrics were kind of intense and I tried to put a lot of thought into each line, I did want to kind of cr- have that kind of um, more kind of childish side of the brain because I find that that really takes over when you're in your darkest depressive moments as well. And especially with anxiety, I mean, I feel that everybody kind of goes into a very kind of childlike state when you kind of go into that. So I was trying to kind of capture that as well with the lyrics, like make it a little bit more raw, I suppose, you know, and yeah, I think a lot of those elements kind of like less lyrics, more music. And even the piano piece was kind of something that just happened, you know, it was, you know, again, it was kind of one that just there was no way I was putting any vocals or lyrics near that because I really wanted that kind of empty space in the middle of the album as well, you know, or that feeling where it drops right down before it builds back up again, you know, that kind of a feel. So yeah, little things like that, I think, kind of wear what I was aiming for, but you you never know if you've kind of hit it until it's released and you, you start getting reviews back and start hearing back from other people, I suppose, you know, you're, you're still not really a hundred percent sure if you got it right. <laughs> well, you brought up that um, you specifically had that piano piece in there and specifically did not put vocals over that. Um, and I'm glad you did that because if there was one thing throughout this album that stuck with me, it's, it's the keys. Just the sound yeah. of that keys, the melodic feel, man. Um, and I'm so glad you didn't put vocals because a lot of bands would have. A lot of other bands would have put maybe some lower vocals on it, some slow vocals on it, you know, something not so intense. But you just let the music yeah. ride. And I feel when you just let the music do what it's supposed to do, let the instruments speak to you. Yes, the lyrics speak to you, but I feel the music can capture way more emotion than lyrics can absolutely yeah i i find even actually nothing to do with music now but even when you're watching your favorite tv show or say favorite movies or anything like that i find that most of the time when you're being you get a little bit teary-eyed or something gets really under your skin 99.9 percent of the time it's the score it's the music that's happening behind the scene like the scene would be emotional anyway but it's usually the music that actually in the background 
that says way more than what the actors say, you know? And I find that with 90, 99.9% of my favorite scenes in movies is usually the music that's actually got me emotional rather than the actual scene itself, you know? I feel that music has always kind of been, it's hard to explain. It's been a part of us humans. Like that's why we can feel where an actor can sit there and say he's depressed Yeah, and you don't feel a thing, but you put on that slow melodic music and you, you, now you feel what he's saying. And it's just something that, that the instruments just, just pull on the strings of our heart way more than any words or any, any facial expressions can. Yeah, a hundred percent, you know, and a lot of the, a lot of my favorite movies in general, um, the actually, yeah, a great example. I rewatched, you know, the, the Band of Brothers TV show recently. I've watched that for the first time in about, about five years and I just watched it from start to finish again. And I, I have to say it was mostly the music that made that show for me you know don't i really enjoyed the show i'd love the show and stuff but it was the music is for anyone who hasn't heard the score for band of brothers has to check it out it's just (laughs) it's just so good by itself even as just a piece of music you know it's incredible now you you told us that some of the bands and artists that influenced uh eternal hellcracks now could you give us your top five Metal songs of all time. Your personal top five metal songs. Oh my God, there's so many. <laughs> it's 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 almost impossible. But no, I'll I'll try to. Let's say Immortals. Um, at the heart of winter song has always been one of my kind of top favorite songs of all time. You know, I just love the feeling, the emotional, the guitar playing, and yeah, just this real icy feel throughout that whole album. So I think that would be one definitely. Um, let me see. Emperor's maybe Dust Speaks the uh, the Night Spirit. That would be definitely one of those ones that would be way up there for me as well. Um, a band that, yeah, wouldn't be really kind of, I suppose, black metal, but it'd still be one of the bands that hugely influenced me would be like Iron Maiden, you know? Maybe Seventh Son of the Seventh Son album is just like, the atmosphere on Seventh Son of the Seventh Son is just, amazing it's just one of my favorite albums of all time you know it's one that i would listen i've listened to weekly i think (laughs) for the past like you know for my whole life you know it's never not on at some point during the week you know and one band that i suppose uh, that would be hugely lyric wise would have hugely inspired this album is uh the band warning and maybe the footsteps song i just think that that's such Lyrically, it's one of the best albums that's ever been wrote. Like, it's just it, it one of the first albums that I felt really captured depression the way it kind of should have been captured. You know, it's just it's so dark, but yet the beauty in it is just, you know, when you hear someone admitting stuff out loud that you shouldn't admit out loud, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, it's one of those things that that album really got under my skin. You know, so um, I would really, really recommend that for anyone who hasn't heard that as well. Like, it's just such a beautiful album, you know. One more, when I think of metal and I think of like, you know, metal in general, um, the anthem for metal, I think, is like uh, Painkiller by Judas Priest. I think it's just that's on my top five of any metal top five ever. <laughs> I just think that that's just, that is just like if someone said, 
what's the most metal song that's ever been wrote? It'd be Oh Painkiller, Judas Priest. A hundred percent. A hundred percent, bro. Rob Halford is a god. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm thirty-two. Um yeah. and I'm like here and I'm listening to all these 80s, these 70s and 80s metal bands. And oh my god damn, I was born in the wrong era, man. I yeah. really <laughs> I think I was born like 10, 15 years too late. <laughs> it's insane, like because most of us just listen to like Dio Judas like we always just listen to all these bands all the time. And like even with black metal, it's something that I couldn't listen to all the time. But most of the albums that I have on all the time is just like fucking Aussie albums, fucking like, yeah, like, you know, all these bands like from the 80s is what I'd listen to mostly, you know, like, because I just think they got everything right in that era, you know. I brought that kind of to to the pro wrestling, like my whole pro wrestling character now is literally like the love child of Nikki Six, of Dio and maybe gene simmons like you roll all of them if they somehow had a weird orgy where one of them wound up getting pregnant somehow it would create me (laughs) and 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 it's not just a gimmick like it's how i really dress like i'm constantly wearing band shirts the ripped like that whole 80s look yeah is is like right up my style and even some of the 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 hairband stuff i really yeah because it was it was so out there, like Twisted Sister. Oh yeah, yeah. I, like I even loved the the hair bands. And when I when I would grow up and watch the Twisted Sister music videos, I'd be like, these guys are in drag. What? And then you get older and you look into that. It's a gimmick, it's a character. And bro, they were panty droppers. They were oh, fucking Jesus, panty yeah. droppers. Yeah, like even most of like the bands like that. Like for me, like my my general weeks of listening to music would be bands like. Yeah, like even Poison and, um, you know, like uh, Skid Row would be a big one, of course. And like, um, you know, even Whitesnake and bands like, you know, the English bands like Whitesnake and stuff like that. Like I was all over that shit, you know, for, <laughs> you know, and you mentioned uh, Gene Simmons there. Like, yeah, me and uh, me and Tirith, like would be huge Kiss fans. You know, we listen to a lot of Kiss. So um, Alice Cooper as well. I'd want to mention Alice Cooper because, of course, he would be. Big one, you know. I like how you ma- mentioned Alice Cooper. Between uh, Kiss, and Alice Cooper, Motley Crue, they have some of the best production. Even Iron Maiden, yeah. uh, Ramstein, they have these huge production where it's now it's not just some live band in a smoky room. You have stadium events with pyrotechnics and graphics and 3D fucking designs yeah. flying all over the place. From at least in my opinion. Kiss was like really one of the first bands to really do that and and make it not just uh, a performance, but a show. Yeah. It's almost like, um, it's almost like everything is planned to it. It is more like, it is almost like theater with a band playing, you know, rather than like every, nearly every little bit of their show is planned to a T and it, it, um, it just, it's amazing to kind of go to a concert and forget that you're at a concert, you know, that kind of a way. And, there was a who did I oh yeah um went to see Def Leppard there recently as well and my god like it was just so huge do you know everything about it was so over the top it was incredible you know like they just they really 
they really know what they're at at this stage, you know, like they just have everything planned. So to a T, you know, it's incredible to watch, you know? Yeah. And that, that, it just brings a whole new level of, of, um, entertainment and that live concert experience. Um, and again, hand in hand with wrestling, with the production where everything is planned to a T the pyrotechnics, the video graphics, the promotion of it. Um, I mean, I'm like talking to you about, about music in general here today and just thinking of how much it really does relate to pro wrestling more than I even thought now, because it's like, wow, like you have kiss and then you have WWE. I mean, there's two huge global brands that essentially do the same thing. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Like, you know, and especially like during the eighties and stuff like that. I mean, you've seen people even like, uh, like Jake, the snake Roberts, you know, the macho man, Randy Savage, and you know, all these kind of guys, Yeah, the ultimate warrior, you know, and, all these people like back then, you know, they all had this kind of this perfect gimmick that just makes you kind of forget where you are for a while, you know, and like the undertaker, especially, you know, and you know, all these kind of characters that used to come out and like they were, they all even had like the bleach blonde hair, like that, you know, like everything was down to a T, you know, to almost like they could have easily been in, major rock bands and you would have just went oh yeah of course you know you wouldn't have even questioned it you know you were just on board you know (laughs) that's exactly that's exactly what was just going through my head is they had that look that they can all be in a in a in a a rock band or a metal band and i think that was kind of kind of the thing you know you had these guys with long hair who were uh either overly flamboyant or, you know, they're like Macho Man with the outfits. And I I could see him and Def Leppard with that, with his outfit. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%, <laughs> you know. And it just would have a hundred, it just would have worked so well. Like, you know, and like a lot of even, even actually like the Legion of Doom, they may as well have just been a metal band. You know, they just looked the part like, you know, <laughs> in every way, you know. <laughs> that that was the 80s, man. And like you said, the, the 80s was a whole different time where uh, and i feel the same way you did where it just seems like they just got it right with everything man music to wrestling sports everything was just massive and it's the reason why um i never really took to grunge as much because it was all more like guys in denim shirts who looked like guys who just lived down the road and stuff i always loved when music was kind of larger than life and in the early 90s grunge came out a lot of bands like Kiss and a lot like we're doing acoustic shows instead of like done the unplugged thing instead of doing the larger than life kind of thing. And I, I just thought trying like, to adapt. Yeah, exactly. And I that almost like as much as I don't like hate grunge or anything like that, it was almost like the enemy of everything I thought music was, you know, it was like that larger than life kind of thing, you know, like, um, that's why I kind of never really took to grunge as much, but and, and a lot of the bigger rock bands were trying to adapt. You're hundred percent right with that, you know? And like, even a lot of the bands like that, like even we're on, I'm trying to think of a good example, but there was even a lot of the, actually, no, I got one. Yeah. Meatloaf would have been a great example where his music was just like theater, you know, it was so larger than life. And so was, you know, um, even bands like Wasp as well. Um, uh, Alice Cooper, you know, these kind of bands, it was like theater rock, like, you know, it was in so larger than life that it nearly 
the wor- worst thing that happened was the early 90s, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, depending on who you ask, it was either the worst thing that happened or, or the best thing. I happened yeah. to grow up in the 90s, and yeah. <laughs> I feel like the 90s was like a whole, it was kind of like the America was a teenager. You know, yeah, all, all the yeah. world was, I, I say America because, you know, that that's where I was at the time, but it's like the world was a teenager at that time. You know, we had yeah. the 80s and everything. And then you come into the 90s and it's just debauchery, drugs yeah. and, and sex. And it's just all in your face, raunchiness, explicit content. Like those old family values are starting to fade away. Yeah. We were that, we were, we were grunge. Yeah. We were exactly. grunge. <laughs> We became grunge. Now you gave us your your uh, some of your favorite bands and some of your favorite albums and songs uh, that you that you personally listen to. We're gonna play uh, some songs from those albums right here for my Motley Maniacs, ladies and gentlemen. This is Praetorian's top five of all time on Motley Metal.
This is Modley Metal, and it was my pleasure to speak with you today, Praetorian. Tell us what is next for Eternal Hellcracks. Uh, we're still, I, I tell it like um, we were, you know, done with the promotion, but there's just so much stuff going on for us at the moment. But uh, at the moment, uh, we're talking to a couple of promoters in Germany. So there's going to be a couple of definitely festival kind of gigs in Germany next year. And other than that, um, we're, we're actually funny enough, uh, because of lockdown and because of a lot of stuff like that, we basically... We, we were kind of writing new stuff during lockdown as we were waiting for the studio to be okay for us to go in and record it, you know. So we've already gotten like a good chunk of music wrote. So I, I can see um, I can see another release very soon as well, you know. So we're, we're flat out with so much stuff. It's, it's crazy. But yeah, I think a couple of the mainly aimed for festival gigs overseas and also, um, yeah, new releases definitely on the horizon as well, you know. Um, it sounds like it's going to be very similar to the the, the um, Drowned and Ash album by the way it's sounding so far. So hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to cap capture kind of some of the magic that we did on that album. You know. <laughs> well, you guys heard it right here on Motley Metal. You can expect a new album for Eternal Hellcracks, and uh, I'll, I would love to have you on again and uh, you know play that album for the Motley Maniacs here. Are there any plans to come stateside? There, we actually are talking to some promoters. We just want to try to get it where it's benefiting everybody, you know, where we can kind of do it in somewhat of a straight line, you know, where we're not bouncing back and forth and stuff like that. But uh, we have a lot of friends and bands and stuff like that over there as well. And, you know, if we can kind of get everything to match up just right, it'll 100 percent happen, you know, and um but yeah, that is the plan anyway. You know, I'm not even too sure if it'll happen early next year, but it'll probably be very late next year. But if if it does happen, it'll be something that we'd be 100% on board with. You know, we're we're crazy to get the music as to as many people as we can at the moment, you know, and it'd be incredible to get over there. You could definitely count on uh, me using Motley Metal to help promote the tours and where you're going to be and maybe even do some ticket giveaways. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, you know, who knows incredible. what the future will tell? Yeah, we that that's incredible, you know. Yeah, and that that's my thing is I kind of want to use Motley Metal as a platform for bands like you who may not be too well known, but you know it's a chance to be discovered so that maybe you come stateside and you look into that crowd and realize, holy crap, we have this many fans, you know. And if I could help, just be a little small smidget, a little part of that, you know, and like, hey, you know. These guys came, you know, Pateri came on last year and here he is now in stateside. And I mean, I, I really want to help discover new artists and new bands because it's easy to sit here and play Motley Crue, Metallica, you know, all the popular bands that everyone listens to. You know, uh, it's, yeah. that's really easy to do. It's really hard to get an independent band or, or a not as popular band to come on and help get them some promotion, help get them some spotlight. And I'm glad I, I could do that for you today. Hopefully my Motley Maniacs uh, do follow you guys. Uh, speaking of, where can my listeners find Eternal Hellcracks on social media? Uh, we're on all actually the usual spots like, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram. We have a website. We've also on Spotify. Our music, we're pretty much on pretty much every major platform to be honest with you and like a lot of smaller ones like we're on you know spotify youtube we're on 
uh, Apple Music. Um, we're on, yeah, pretty much, you'll pretty much find us absolutely anywhere, you know, um, it's, it's brilliant in that sense, you know. I kind of, as much as I used to curse technology years ago, I have to say it's amazing for just finding music. It's the best thing ever is just being able to have so many, so much music available to us at all times, you know. Um, so you'll find us on pretty much all, all of those, you know, so shouldn't be too hard. <laughs> I'll have links for you guys in the description to their social media. If you want to uh, find them on their website, it's eternalhellcracks.net. Uh, I'll spell it out for you. E-T-E-R-N-A-L-H-E-L-C-A-R-A-X-E. I know that's a long one, guys. .net. Um, again, I'll have the link in the description of the, <laughs> of the episode. Uh, once again, thank you for this opportunity. It was really a pleasure speaking with you today and getting to know a little bit more about Eternal Hellcracks. To my listeners, if you want to hear more music from Eternal Hellcracks, you can find them on all, pretty much all streaming platforms as well as YouTube. Again, links will be in the description. Unfortunately, it is time to close the studio today. Thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in to another episode of Motley Metal and hope you join me next week for a special Latin rock episode. As always, be excellent to each other and party on. This is The Prez and you've just listened to Motley Metal featuring your host who's preferred by 9 out of 10 single moms, Chris Rex. Don't forget your Motley Metal merch at paintrainpipebomb.threadless.com and check out our other shows like Wrestling with a Bear and Pipe Bomb Radio NYC on all listening platforms. Tune in again next time for another episode of Motley Metal.